Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we pick up on our conversation last week with Ben Walker, the founder and CEO of the accounting firm Inspire. In this episode, we drill into the practical reality of choosing between business structures and the impact this may have if you're planning on selling the business in the future. Then we close out with a discussion on the concept of superannuation and multi-layer structuring, why and when business owners ought to consider these approaches. So don't go anywhere. Here we go. listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. So we've talked about, you know, tax differences between the um, different types of structures. But I just think one thing that we should touch on is perhaps practical, the practical reality of running to each of these different structures. And and you'll probably say, Ben, that from even though a trust structure is less understood generally by people, it's something that your accountant, like you, Ben, works out in the background and in all effects and purposes. It probably would feel the same to a business owner as running a company, right? They probably wouldn't feel particularly different to them because your accountants are the ones who are doing the work behind the books in working out who you know to distribute the income to and all of those sorts of things. But I, I guess one of the things that strike me from a practical perspective is if you're starting a business and you're thinking about a company versus a trust, you need to perhaps have some mind to what you might want to do in the future as to whether or not you might want to bring partners on board. Because I think one of the issues with the trust structure is that it's perhaps a bit less flexible in terms of easily bringing people into that business unit into the future in terms of equity or ownership. Yeah, and that was real for me, Joanna. Like I, um, I established Inspire five years ago now, and I thought, you know, my dad had been through a, a business partnership breakup. The accounting firm I used to work for, um, you know, twelve months before I left, they had a partnership bust up. My grandfather had also had a, a business partnership bust up. So I thought, no way am I going to go into partnership with anyone or have a business partner. And so I set up my business back then. Which was just a discretionary trust because you know I didn't allow for people to buy in, and then two and a half years later, <laughs> along comes Harvey, and it was a really great idea that we had together. And so he bought, he basically bought half of Inspire, but we had to restructure the whole thing, and so that meant tax on a hundred percent of the value of the business at that time. And also stamp duty on a hundred percent of it. So you know to go and change that, if I if I had that flexibility and, and if I set up a unit trust instead of a discretionary trust right at the start, or well, you'd need both actually. But if I was running the business from a unit trust, um, then Harvey, when he bought in, could just buy half of those units in the trust. Yeah. And look, and I think that this is the key thing that I, I think people get a bit confused about when they talk to their accountants about structure and then, then they 
come in thinking they want to adopt one structure. Just one thing that I think is super important is to have a mind on what you might want to do in the future because from what I see from a practical reality point of view is if if you're a business that might be a bit agile, you don't exactly know what you, you're going to be doing in the future, but there, there is the possibility of involving partners in the future, I do find in reality a company can be an easier way to a lot equity effectively, you know, have different people come in and out um, in, a, in a fairly simple way uh, dealing with the company structure. So in my mind, that's a big plus of company structures. Obviously, as you say, we can do that with a unit trust, but companies, you know, generally are, are just a bit easier to, to deal with in that area. Absolutely. And like, especially um, with people looking to buy businesses from overseas, like the, the moment you mentioned trusts and they're coming from the US, you know, they might have a freak out. Yeah. You know what? That's, so, that, that's, that's absolutely true because we deal with a lot of business sale and purchase matters where one of the parties will be an offshore buyer, generally buyer, but, you, you know, perhaps might be a seller. But where they're a buyer, we have seen deals fall through absolutely because the um, international based buyers, you know, just don't like the um, looking at a trust structure. They're keen to buy companies, they understand that and, you know, they find that a, a better structure to deal with. And look, if it's just a simple a simple trust structure, then you, you know, it, it's fairly easy for an overseas buyer to set up an entity here and buy the business into it. But But I guess where the real issue comes is when people have got you know, structures that are too complex because let's face it, some th- this happens sometimes, right? Sometimes businesses end up in these highly complex structures that they don't understand, let alone people coming in, potential buyers. <laughs> exactly right. Companies on trusts, on trusts, and all sorts. But um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess, look, one of the things that I, I guess is important out of this uh, discussion is, you know, that people understand the difference between company and trust and how they work, the different advantages from um, a flexibility to sale time, but also the different advantages in terms of flexibility for the lifetime, you know, running of of the business, but also that they remember this KISS principle, you know, to keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) I love that principle. You know, I really operate by that when I'm, whenever I'm talking structure or these sorts of things with clients, you know, how do we keep it as simple as possible while still maintaining the maximum, you know, flexibility and outcome for us, you know, And, and this is where it's difficult. There's no one size fits all from my perspective I, I don't know what do you think about that Ben yeah I mean we've got some guidelines that we use for structuring but um, but yeah like we could have a, a family that we're um, advising um, and there's two different outcomes that um, that we think would work in in their situation and we've got to work out what their preference is um, you know even a deciding factor um, if they structure through a company then they have to pay super if they structure through a trust then they don't um, so that may even be, as, as small as that is, um, the flexibility to not pay super may be of value to them. Yeah. And so that's why they'll choose one or the other. I'm, I'm glad you've raised that because that's a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing that I watch with businesses. And I just, I, it scares me when people make a choice not to contribute at all to super, you know, because I, I, it scares me when people, when business owners see the 
their business as their sole superannuation. That that's something that really scares me because they I I feel like fundamentally these are the business owners that often get most disappointed at sale because they have this uh you know they've built up in their mind that they've contributed everything to this business rather than seeing a business as part of a diversif- diversified financial plan. <laughs> you know do you have any comments on that, Ben? I'd be interested in your uh, thoughts on that area. Absolutely. Well, personally, I love superannuation. Um, not only is it a, a great tax deduction, so um, when you put money in, you, uh, if it's up to $25,000 per person in a year, um, then you can get a tax deduction for that. Now, uh, it's also a great strategy to diversify what your family is invested into. Um, so you're right. Most business owners think that their business is their only or biggest asset. And um, yeah, they don't really put money aside or, or in other places, some of them, to, uh, you know, firstly for retirement, but also uh, secondly as a backup plan. And, uh, you know, we've seen over the past decades, you know, businesses like Kodak, you know, millions and millions of dollars in turnover and they just fold because of changes in technology. You know, I don't think the guy or the, the, the people who own Kodak really expected that. And so if they had everything tied up in that business, then they've just lost their entire wealth. Yeah. Um, you know, superannuation is a way of getting money out uh, in a separate vehicle, a tax-effective vehicle. And, um, you know, you can even buy things like property or shares or managed funds using that as well. Mm. And, you know, and, and it's a great, you know, it's it's a great protected space to hold it in because it's very hard for creditors to, um, you know, have any sort of access to money that that's in super. So, you know, it's a nice little protected environment as well, I feel. And I, I feel it's good, you know, it's a good discipline for business owners to force that money out of the company and into um, the, this future saving and protected pot as well. But I don't know. That's my own personal opinion. I'm no accountant or financial advisor. Let me... Uh, <laughs> let's make it, let's make sure I've I've made this very clear. Um, okay, good, good. Look, I think that's a really good run through of the different types of structures that are available. So we talked about sole trader, we talked about company, and we talked about trust. And I guess one thing that we touched on briefly, but w- we should really reiterate, is that companies can have shareholdings as uh, have trusts, family discuss- trust, their discretionary trust, being the shareholder within their company. So that can assist in terms of if you're then sending dividends out of the company and the shareholder is a trust, then your accountant can have flexibility as to who those dividends are going to. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that's really important to check because, uh, you know, if you go into the average accounting firm, uh, and I see this all the time when we, when we see um, new clients, is that they might be running their business through a company. They might have never got offered a trust. We even talked about a trust. And the the other thing is um, the business owner owns the shares in that company. Now, if we do want to ever sell the business down the track uh, and we do a share sale, then we've only got that person's taxable income or, or I guess, yeah, uh, tax brackets to use and then they'll pay the tax um, compared to if the shares are owned with a trust, um, then you get to choose who pays the tax in that family group. And uh, yeah, a, st- a structuring philosophy had Inspire is that we never set up a company without a trust and we never set up a trust without a company. Wow, fascinating. I've never heard that we, one before. That's interesting. We don't do it. 
Uh-huh. People people are, so I want to save, you know, the the $1,000 because I don't want to trust. I say, look, I don't want to be sitting here in three years' time and you need to get a dividend out of there and you're going to pay 47% tax on that. <laughs> so for the for the 800 1000 bucks at the start, please spend the money to, to get that flexibility in place. Let's take a short break. When we get back, we'll close out the episode with an insightful discussion on multi-layer structuring. And that's next. You're listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by Aspect Legal. a professional involved in business sales and acquisitions activity, for example, if you're a broker or an accountant or a business consultant, or if you're a business owner looking to expand by acquisition or you're building to sell your business in the future, check out Talking Law's sister podcast, The Deal Room. Together with Talking Law, these are now two of the top legal podcasts in Australia. The Deal Room podcast contains information, interviews, and tips and tricks relating to the world of business sales and acquisitions. We love this area of law and thought it was high time we took some of our specialist knowledge and shared it in a commercial context rather than just talking about legal stuff on its own. We release new episodes every Tuesday. You can listen to our episodes on www.thedealroompodcast.com or you can subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on iTunes to be the first to know when a new episode is out. Just type in the search panel in iTunes, The Deal Room Podcast. Welcome back. Earlier, Ben and I talked about the importance of being future-minded when considering the business structure that you want to set up for your business, particularly when you're planning on selling the business into the future. And just before the break, we drilled into the concept of superannuation. Now, let's keep the conversation going and talk with Ben about when it might make sense for organisations to have multiple layers to their business structure. Let's just have a brief conversation about multi-layer structuring. So let's say we we have a company structure. Let's just have a brief discussion about when it might make sense for us to have multiple layers to to our business structure, i.e. where we have a company and maybe or or a trust and we decide that we're going to have an asset holding entity. Is is that something that you ever create for, for your clients, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we do that internally here, uh, and we also recommend that to our clients. And so the the asset holding entity is one of them. Um, also, if you've got different business divisions or units, um, then that's another, uh, I guess, trigger to consider whether you need a separate structure. Uh, just just jumping back to that IP, uh, IP or assets company, the purpose that we usually set them up for is owning things like trademarks, domains, uh, even the um, the vehicles or the equipment of the business um, and, and keeping that very separate from the, the trading entity or the trading company. Mm. So the way and the way we, you, you know, because we certainly 
adopt that as a positive approach some uh, you know for many of our clients and you know the way we view it is that effectively use ip holding entities for pure assets so assets that don't have liabilities attached to them and you know we talk about it from the perspective of what are the elements that you might need if something happened to your trading entity it was attacked and you needed to operate out of another vehicle in in another day what do you need to operate your business so yeah. that's one of the elements and and so what else are you seeing in that area ben how else do you deal with this type of different layering within organizations yeah so one of the things we recommend is that when a, um, a client has a different business division or a business unit and um, then they set up a different structure to um to, to run that side of the business now practically we do this as well so we're accountants, but we also have a, a, finance, a, a mortgage broking business. And, and so we have set up a different company and trust just to run that business and take that risk of running the mortgage broking business. You know, we've got a client who manufactures uh, plant you know, and, and he's got two different markets. One's kind of petrol stations and, and um, you know, even wholesales to, to other distributors. And he's got another one, which is like a specialist water water treatment thing which um <laughs> he's got a <laughs> he's got a separate uh, market and a separate um you know client base for that uh, which also has its own set of risks mm-hmm. associated mm-hmm. and that makes complete sense and and i guess you know quite often when business owners are you know many business owners are quite entrepreneurial and come up with many ideas potentially starting lots of different business lines i guess you know the big question is when is the line where's that line in the sand where you say well it's gone from idea to now something that should be moved out into its own entity and what do you say to that ben where where's the point yeah good good question because you don't want 10 10 entities for 10 different ideas. Yeah. Uh, my, my recommendation is um, before they're cash flow positive and you know they're going to be cash flow positive, that's the time to pop it in there. If you wait too late, uh, like say you've got a business line that is uh, you know, bringing in $10,000 of clear profit a month, if you go and restructure that, then technically you've got to value that business and, and then pay, uh, you know, or consider capital gains tax. And at least in Queensland, you've got to consider um, stamp duty on that as well. Okay, great. Well, look, thank you so much, Ben, for this fabulous discussion today. I think, you know, it's a really important discussion to have because it is a source of such confusion, I feel, for many business owners. And, you know, I find, and I don't know if you see this in new clients that come in, but I find so often business owners have a structure set up that they just don't understand. And that's not appropriate for them where they are in their business at the moment, but they've just left it because they don't understand why it's there and what the alternatives are. Is there, I mean, is this something that you ever see in new clients coming in? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, so- what what happens uh, in sort of average or crap accounting firms is that they'll set up a company or a trust or one or the other, and uh, they'll throw the keys to a, a Ferrari to the the business owner, and they'll have no idea of how to drive it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're very intentional of um, before we set anything up, everyone must have the education and advice beforehand. So we go through a um, a structures and strategy session with them, make sure they understand how they take the money out, how the tax works with both a company or trust, and and then we make sure they understand why we've recommended one or the other. You know, is it the flexibility of distributions, 
or is it the lower tax rate in a company? Like, what are they looking for? And and we document that, and because I never want someone to go somewhere else and say, "What the hell did your accountant set that up for?" And they're not able to answer that. Yeah, yeah. And look, and one other thing that I, I guess I'd throw in there is I'm I'm a big believer in have all of your professionals sitting down around one table or one figurative table if you're all in different areas. That's fine. You know, it can be a teleconference sort of <laughs> table. But, you know, I, I think it's really important for lawyers and accountants working together with a client or, or whatever the different, you, you know, professional advisors are who would dealing with a particular topic, like, for example, structuring for a business owner, should be talking together in order to get the right outcome for the clients. Because, you know, there's no one appropriate, absolute answer for every business from both an accounting and legal perspective. And so sometimes it requires, you know, a joint approach in relation to a client's particular, you know, circumstances to work out what is the, the best approach all round. Yep, that's right. And uh, it's, it's quite funny. You, know, you see in these things that, um, you know, the lawyer might be bagging out the accountant for not thinking asset protection and then the accountant's bagging the lawyer for not thinking tax and, yeah. you know, horrible stuff if they don't work together. So, exactly. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yep. All together on one team. Excellent. Well, look, thank you so much, Ben. Is there anything else that um, you want to leave us with? And certainly please tell us how our listeners can contact you if they um, would like to get in touch. Yeah, well, um, I think that's, I mean, we've only sort of scratched the surface of um, the differences between companies and trusts. I mean, there's so many levels. I'm sure you and I could talk for a week on this stuff. (laughs) I Uh, think we probably could. (laughs) We could exchange some war stories and uh, (laughs) of uh, things we've seen out there because there's certainly, yeah, I've got, I'm sure we've both got a few stories about that. But um, yeah, and and maybe we should have, you know, part two of structures um, later on and maybe, and I'll throw it out to you, the listener, what questions do you have about structures? What's your structure and what about it confuses you and maybe Ben and I can um, can come back and can tackle some questions that come from you, our listeners, uh, about stuff that you want to hear about in relation to structures and approaches. Yep. Awesome. Great. Wonderful. Great. And how can people contact you, Ben, if um, if they want to? Yeah. Um, so feel free to, um, to follow us on our Facebook page. Just search for Inspire CA or um, our website might be the easiest place to get in touch, um, which is uh, inspire.business. Excellent. Wonderful. I, I, you know what, Ben, I hardly hear um, anyone using these days the dot business. I love that you're using the <laughs> dot business. How's that working for you? Yeah, uh, it's um, it's pretty cool. People ask, oh, is that .com.au after that? <laughs> yeah, of course, of but, course. Uh, apart from that, yeah, it's nice to have <laughs> uh, a nice succinct domain. I like it. It's very, uh, it feels like very edgy. I like it, Ben. It's edgy. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, Ben. It's been fabulous and um, we'll have to have you back sometime in, in the future and uh, hopefully we'll get a few listener questions and we can do part two of Structure, uh, the advanced module, a little bit later on. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's episode of Talking Law. We hope you enjoyed our two-part series on the topic of business structures with our resident taxman, Ben Walker of Inspire. As a quick recap, in part one, we got to know a little bit about Ben and his noble goal of inspiring others to create a business that gives them the freedom to put family first and to make a positive difference in the world. 
We then talked about the critical role accountants have in helping their clients pull more money, more time and more happiness out of their business. In fact, Ben co-authored a book which outlines seven steps to achieve this goal. The book is called Cashed Up and if you want to get a copy of that book, we'll leave a link on our show notes or you can visit their website at inspireca.com. In this episode, we also drilled into the problem of poor business structures and discussed how it's causing business owners thousands and often tens of thousands of dollars in tax payments that could have been avoided or minimised. Ben ran us through the three main categories of business structures, sole trader, company and trust, and compared each of these three types based on their corresponding tax rates, ability to plan for tax and asset protection. And finally, we close part one out with a discussion on the tax issues between a company structure versus that of a trust from the perspective of a sale transaction, whether it's a sale of the business itself or a sale of the shares to the business. So if you missed part one, don't worry, simply head over to our website at www.talkinglaw.com.au and look out for episode 52. Or you can also pop over to iTunes or Stitcher and flip back to our earlier episodes. Then, of course, in today's episode, we picked up on our conversation with Ben last week and dived into the practical reality of choosing between these different tax structures. We also talked about how this inadvertently impacts any future plans of selling your business. And finally, we closed out this episode and our two-part series with Ben with a discussion on the concept of superannuation and multi-layer structuring. Okay, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.